All right, if you have your Bibles, grab those. John chapter 21 is where we'll be uh, this morning, be in a couple of different places. Uh, but John 21, verse 18, uh, will kind of be where we start. I'm going to read a couple of things. Sorry, yeah, Kid Life. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, there they go. <laughs> Love it. Um, all right, we will get there. Um, man, it's, it's, I don't know what kind of week you've had. I don't know what God's done in your heart or stirred in you. Uh, but it's been a tough, tough week for me. Um, I mean, I have felt... I've been all over the radar with just emotions and feelings from devastation. And devastation goes from that to anger. I mean, like, I, I, was, like, I was ticked. ticked. Um, I mean, like, mad. From that, and, and, and I don't, and I, I want to stop there for, for just a second, kind of unpack. Like, I was mad at God. I was mad at, you name it, the church, us, me. Everything in between. And then I'm brokenhearted. And then desperation kind of floods a little bit. And I've just been, and I've, I've just almost feel like a guy that's just kind of been staring out into left field. And just trying to process and understand and just think, dear God, what is going on? I mean, even sick, have felt sick, unable to sleep. Um, I think last night, I think I finally kind of drifted off around 1, one thirty in that area. Um, there, there was one point this morning I was getting ready to leave and uh, our, our baby was right there in, in the bed next to me and I'm like, um, I'm telling her bye and, and stuff like that. I'm like, how did he get there? Did I do that? She's like, well, I handed you the bottle to feed him. I said, I fed him? Like, I didn't even know I did that. Um, and, and it, it has transpired from this past week and all that has happened. And I feel ashamed because this has been going on for a while now. But I guess with kind of our digital media age and, and where we're at and the news and how everybody's experts now on everything because they've got a platform uh, on a social media site. And I'm not a social media like Nazi, I'm not. Um, I just, I've just been blown away. I don't know if you, I mean, and we've got story after story we could tell, but I mean, when people jump on a plane on the outside that's going to be flying hours to another country to try to escape what's coming, and we think we have it bad in this country, I mean, that, that'll, that'll wreck you. 
Uh, I, mean, I mean, to hear of stories where they're knocking on the door, beating the door down, and they come in. Don't even ask you a question. Grab your phone to see if there's a Bible app, and then immediately take your life. And no, being in America, it's so easy to kind of just tune that out a little bit. We can turn our TV off. We can set our phone down. We can just choose not to look at it or think about it and walk away and go back to our happy little safe life, so we think. And I was just, man, wrecked. And then I remember what Jesus said in John 15. He says, if the world hates you, know that it hates me before it hated you. And so if you were of the world, the world would not love, love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And so there's this ever-growing hostility toward believers. And, and we feel it a little bit here. I mean, we may get made fun of, or we may be called bigots, or we may be called judgmental, or we may hate speech, or, or whatever. I mean, but that's not persecution. And we, we, don't, we don't fear for our life because we love Jesus. I mean, getting made fun of or blocked from something or not invited to something. I mean, I just, for me, it just seems silly to call that persecution. And I don't want to take away from if, if that's happened to you at all. I don't want to downplay that and praise God that, that you've made a stand and that you've, you've, you've spoken out or you've lived out in a way that would grant you to that kind of, I guess, energy toward you. But man, I just, I just think of our brothers and sisters who don't know if today will be their last day here. And some of the things that I've read, they don't care if it is or not. And so we're just going to push pause this week for the Do You Trust Me series, which I guess really could kind of go right with it. Do you trust him? And I want to kind of look at things a little bit differently. I want to go to two places this morning. I want to go the church in America. That's us. And I want to go the persecuted church. And it's not just Afghanistan. I mean, our brothers and sisters in Korea, our brothers and sisters in China, our brothers and sisters all over the world that, that are facing persecution just by being a follower of Jesus. And, and I want to look at those two areas and let the Holy Spirit do what he's going to do. And so we're going to spend time praying this morning as the church. Ho hopefully repentance will be had. Brokenness will be, will be had. And, and, and so that, just a number of things that we'll do this morning in this place. And so I'm going to ask you if you would join me as we pray before we jump into what, what God wants to say to us. Father, help us this morning in this place here. What you have to say. And Father, help me this morning in this place to say what you would want me to say. Not what I would want to say. Not what I would want to do. But God, we want to hear from heaven. God, we need to hear from heaven. So may the Holy Spirit be welcome in this place to do as he sees fit. God, we need you to wake us up. It's your name I pray. Amen. 
Um, so this is at the tail end of a very well-known scripture story where Peter has denied Christ and uh, Jesus, the resurrected Christ, is back and he's on the shoreline and Peter recognizes and jumps in and dives and they have that conversation of, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And he responds, yes, yes, yes. And Jesus tells him to do something. And, and then it comes to this in 21 verse 18 where he says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And what Jesus is doing, Jesus is just foretelling Peter of, of what's going to happen to him. He's telling Peter of his future and how that there is a cross that's going to be involved. And not this one that he's been trying to teach them and model and show them as they were following and walking alongside him of denying self or dying to self. But, but this is physical death that Jesus is talking about with Peter. In verse 19, then he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And so for Peter to follow Jesus is going to cost him his life. That's what Jesus tells Peter there on the seashore. Peter, by following me, you're going to die. And it's not going to be one of those cutesy little deaths drifting off in your sleep. But it's going to be brutal. It's going to be horrific. It is going to be absolutely awful and Peter what we know follows him Peter's restored and he follows Jesus and I guess my question this morning as I've been thinking this week what, what about you what about me what, what, what about us I mean what does it really cost us to follow Jesus 2021 I mean we may get a little label we may get made fun of we may be excluded from something we may be considered hateful and mean but, but what does it really cost us following Jesus? And the reality is, church, for us, it's no different than what it cost Peter. I mean, I mean his life, it, it, the same thing for us. It should cost us our life. It should cost us our everything. Everything. Nothing should be greater than our relationship with Christ. No, nothing. Not, not kids, not hobbies. Not, not good times, not friends, not family, not spouses, not relations. Jesus should be the greatest. And that's all we're reminded throughout the scriptures, are we not? Paul, Paul is big on this. Jesus is big on this. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ is what Paul says. Like I'm, I'm dead. Like I am a dead man walking. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the life I live is not a life dictated and directed by me, my wants, my desires, my longings, my yearnings. No, no it, it, it's Christ. It's Him. What about this, Romans 12, 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, present your body as what a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. The greatest form of worship is not singing a song, clapping, the greatest form of worship is dying to self and living for Christ. Th that's, that's what Paul tells the believers there at Rome. What about this one? This is Jesus. He says, and he said to all in Luke 9, 23, he said to all, if anyone would come after me. And I think what scares me is when I read that is, is my, my fear is that not many are really going after him. N not many have a desire. And I'm, I'm talking about the church in America. And usually when I do that, I kind of talk about, like, okay, it's the ch we, I mean, oh, we're not like that here. No, no, we're like that here. I'm like that here. We're like that. I mean, and it's like we need to quit playing little games. And, and, and I try to, 
I try to bring this before us as often as I can that we think far too highly of ourselves than we should. I mean, that we love ourselves far too much. And when we tell stories about us, it's not really as bad as it. But no, apart from Christ, like we're, like we're awful. We're wicked and depraved and in need of. If anyone would come after me. And just being here doesn't necessarily mean that you're coming after him. I'm more interested in what you do when you leave this place than what you do coming to this place. I mean, this is easy. I mean, we know 10 o'clock every morning, we'll have some songs. I know today's a little different. We're going to have some songs. We're going to enjoy ourselves. We're going to open up the scripture, and it's not going to be quite as heavy as it is today. Maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. And then we're going to get out of here. Lord, help us get out by 11, 11, 15, so we can get to the buffet. So we can feed our face and get home and get our nap. I mean, I just, I just look at, are you, what do you do after this? The in-between, the gap. In, in the private of your life, when no one else is around, is he, is he the greatest desire? Are you pursuing and going after there, then? What about at work? What about with your kids? Do, do they see that Jesus is the greatest desire of your life? If anyone come after me, this is what they're to do. Deny themselves. It means to refrain from satisfying yourself. So what Jesus is saying, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's not about our wants, it's not about our comforts, it's not about what we like, what we don't like. If you desire to come at him, deny, deny, deny. And so this is what brings me to the church in America. Us in this room. And my prayer this morning is that the Holy Spirit would convict us, not some guy up here with a microphone that can say some stuff. But that the Holy Spirit would convict. And I don't know about you, but, but, but I mean, I'm, I'm pulling back my life. I'm like, all right, Jesus, am I following you here? In, in the way that I love my wife, in the way that I parent my kids, in the way that I uh, live in the in-between parts. Am I or am I not? And, and, and my prayer is for conviction. And, and hear me, conviction is a good gift of God. Whereby he welcomes us to come run to him, to fall before him, to, to lay it before him. And let him do and make in us what he needs to do and make in us. And so I think what breaks my heart the most, what breaks my heart the most about the church in America, about us in this room, is that we've made all of this about us. The gathering, the coming together as the body. What I like, what I don't like, is it hot, is it cold, is it, he uses that, he doesn't use this, he tells me stories about that, they, they, it's just, it blows my mind how self-centered the church has become. I mean, comfort and control, preferences, conveniences. I mean, the stuff that we complain about. It just shows that, that we're fighting for life or we need to be learning to die. I mean, what, what, what breaks my heart is how apathetic the church has gotten. I mean, how, how, I mean, just how dead we've become. And I'm not talking about the good dead like what we're talking about in the scriptures right now. 
I mean, we talk about revival often, and we think that if we just have a big service a few nights a week, then that's revival. Church, revival's, the revival's for us. The church needs to be woke up. We, we live in, a, in a, a time where we talk about being woke or not. We need to, we need to be woke because we are sleeping and slumbering in, in what Christ has called us to be about and called us to do. And, and the ridiculousness of, of, of the time and the day that we're in and the things that, uh, that we focus on. And, and there's people in other countries right now that could lose their life and they don't have the privilege to gather in, in a fluffy, comfortable little room with padded chairs and an AC. Like, like I was tempted this morning to turn the AC off in this place. I mean, how much grumbling and complaint? Oh, it's hot. My gosh, I can't believe you would do that. So we could taste for just 45 minutes. I mean, I mean, there are men and women who go miles upon miles to get to a service. Like, like I've heard and I've been in places where, where they've had rain and they're standing with water to their knees, worshiping Jesus. They don't cancel because of that. That just drives us all the more to be there. Well, because I need, I, I physically need Jesus to make it to tomorrow, to make it this evening. We, we don't have that in the church today. We're, we're comfortable and we're fat and we know more than we've ever known and we don't follow hardly all any of it. And so we become so apathetic, so complacent, so comfortable, so nitpicky, so you, you name it. And revival, yes, dear God, revival. But revival happens in the church where men and women see their sin for what it is and the Holy Spirit breaks a man and woman's heart and they turn from their sin and they run headlong to the cross in Jesus. And they get serious about following who Christ is. I mean, we're not serious. We're, we're not, let, let, me, let me try to illustrate for a moment and I know this is where I'll get in trouble this week and there may be emails and phone calls and, and that's fine. I've, I've braced myself because I've, I've got a responsibility to the Lord and, and not a person in here. Uh, but to our God. So, 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 so let, let me just try to illustrate for just a second. We're more offended over, by overpaid athletes kneeling during an anthem for some flag than we are God's name being used as an adjective it was never meant to be used for. Thank you. And I'm not anti-American. I just cheered like crazy. Just cheered like crazy. For the U.S. and the Olympics. So, so, so don't, uh -uh. I've got the red, white, and blue at home. I, I wear that. Fourth of July, man, I will shoot off a firecracker in a minute and sing glory, glory, hallelujah. But, but we will get more worked up and, and agitated and we will preach a sermon over that than we will uh, our Lord and Savior's name being used in vain or sin being present in a believer's life or even sin in our life. We're not that broken and that frustrated and that aggravated over our sin as we are the flag that somebody kneels for. I mean, church, what is wrong with us? God, help us. Yes, we need revival. We need to be broken over the reality of sin. Let me give you another one. And I feel like I, we say this all the time. And, but, but our kids here, new life, our kids, little life, um, I was going to say big life, but they're not big life. Um, kid, kid life and little life. Gosh. I mean, we, we, it almost seems like we beg monthly, almost weekly for help. For help. 
And I guess what blows my mind is that we would have to beg born-again believers to serve. And I know the tendency, well, I'm just not called to children's ministry. But if there's a need in the church, who cares about calling right now, man? We need to be, we need to rise up and we need to fill in the gaps and we need to, oh, well, I mean, how will that have worked in the Apostle Paul? Well, you know, I really don't feel, God, I really don't feel like Timothy, he is a pain in my, I just don't know if, uh, he's a little too progressive for me today or he's a little too this for me today or he, he just talks out of both sides of his mouth sometimes or he's, I mean, he, just, he needs to learn a lot and God, if you just kind of help him progress a little bit and, and get, get more educated about it and then, and then okay, then I'll step in. He's, he's a little too young for me, Lord. I mean, how ridiculous is that? No, what Paul stepped up and he did, that's what we see in the scriptures. And I'm telling you, we think the church is bad now. If we don't get our act together and we don't pour into the next generation and love on and share with and walk with and disciple and teach and encourage, you think it's bad now. You just wait. I mean, do you know the numbers of, of, of when I say young folk, I don't know if that's right, of, of teenagers that leave the church after high school graduation? With the numbers that come back after? I mean, it's staggering, and we're, we're losing the battle now. And I believe that happens at home, and I believe that happens in the church. I mean, I was just, just talking to, and, and I'm pulled it back. Let's just go with it. Just, I mean, your wife's not in here this morning. When was the last time she was in here? A couple weeks ago, but then before that, probably a couple months ago. And before that, probably a couple more months ago. I, I mean, just talking to her over the last few weeks. One Sunday, four people called in. On a Sunday morning. And so guess who gets stuck with that? Who do we call? Nobody will rise up to the occasion. No, nobody will step out. No, nobody will. Four people. And hear me. I want to be gentle here because I know sickness happens. I know things come. I know stuff comes up. But you wouldn't do that Monday morning, 30 minutes before your shift starts at work, would you? But I get paid to do that. So, so we're going to go that route now? We're talking about a few bucks in your bank account compared to the souls of, of, of children? And the opportunity? Well, all I do is hold them and rock them. I don't even really... Uh, well, do something different then. Tell them a little bit about Jesus while you're rocking them. Put your hand on their head and pray for them. I mean, you don't have to just rock them. Well, they haven't given me paper. You don't need papers to do that. You don't need training to pray for someone. And the greatest news is those little ba bishops sitting back there, he will not say not one word back to you. If anything, he's going to smile and coo, and you're just going to fall more in love with that little guy. Because God's made him that way because you know what's coming next. I mean, again, I, and I just, I just mentioned this morning for, for, for our after school, I mean, a bus driver, what, would that, what that would do for this place here, how that would free up workers and do things if we could get somebody to drive a bus. I don't know about you, but me growing up in West Virginia, Mrs. Wills, I don't know if you remember her. I mean, you don't remember her. My sis, um, me and my sister are the only ones that would have remembered her. You don't remember her. You don't even know her. Let me introduce you to Mrs. Wills. Bus 119, that was the route that picked up this, this boy. And man, I remember her. She had the glasses, and they were thick glasses. I don't know how she got to be a bus driver, but she had glasses. And she looked like she was 95, but she looked like that from kindergarten to high school. 
But she could drive a dang bus, and boy, she would jerk a knot in your tail with one hand on the wheel, and I don't know how she reached all the way back to the back. But man, she would love you, and she would check on you, and she would ask you questions. Well, I missed you yesterday. What's happening? You doing okay? What's going on? Can I pray for you? I mean, the, the fact that we've got to do that, beg and plead, and I mean, what a ministry opportunity. I mean, we just can go down the list and I'm trying to figure out how much trouble I want to get into this morning and I said, let's just do it, right? Or, or stuff like this, this just shows, stuff like this. It's 10.50 right now. How long are we going to go this morning? Mm, I don't know. How long do you want to go? Well, if I had it my way, we'd be done 10 minutes ago. But, but do we not get like that? Well, he's too long or he's not long enough or he's too loud or he's too mean or he's too happy or he tells too many stories or he... I mean, my gosh, church, the buffet of churches in our world today. He's made him mad or he hadn't made him mad enough or he's, I mean, it just, it's, it's crazy. Again, I'll, oh, do I, Lord, do I, do I, do I, Lord? Okay. Let's open up our Bibles for a moment and read. Is this okay? Is this not okay? Nobody said anything to me, but I have just heard through the grapevine that this isn't good and right. And and I want you to hear me for a moment, okay? God is more offended by our gossip about this then he is me wearing this this morning preaching. I'm just trying to help us, church. You wear whatever you want to wear. As long as it honors God, as long as it brings glory to God, as long as it's, it, it, it doesn't cause people to stumble and fall and, and, and lust issues and things like that. It's about the heart of man, not, not the outside. And where do we get this? You've got to wear your, what is your best? Do you know how much these jeans cost this morning? Do you know how much this polo cost? I got it at the Costco, so it wasn't much. <laughs> and I had some coupons for Kohl's, so these were a little bit more expensive than, but do I get to count that number or do I count the, I'm not trying to just offend to offend. No, no, no. We have got to get past that kind of stuff. And what breaks my heart about the church in America is that we'll be more offended and upset and frustrated about that than we are sitting in the camp. And what I have learned and what I have kind of noticed over the last few years, and it is coming, God's going to pull it back and he's going to, we'll get there one day is that we're probably one of the most welcome visitors. We're probably one of the most gossipy churches that I've ever been a part of. And you say, mm, because you know it's true. Which from what I'm gathering, and I got to spend some time this week with some other pastors, every other church is like that too. So go ahead, sign up, go somewhere else because you're going to find it there too. But that we would be more offended and more upset and more frustrated and more aggravated about stuff like that than we are sitting in the camp. Who cares what you wear as long as it's holy before the Lord? 
Who cares how much it cost or didn't cost? If you cover your head or don't cover, everything has been absorbed in the cross of Christ. And Jesus has answered for that. We're not under the law. There's grace, church. There is freedom in Christ. And we have the opportunity to serve and be a part of it. He has welcomed us and invited us in. And our brothers and sisters in other countries are dying this morning because of their faith. And we're worried about what somebody wears or don't wear. If a service goes too long or doesn't go long enough. We're begging people to work with kids. Begging people to give their life away in service. The needs here in this place, in this area, in ministries. I mean, it, it blows my mind what we've become as the church. It blows my mind. So we're so worried about self and preference and stuff like that that we haven't done the necessary work putting in of killing the old man or old woman so that we can truly live for Christ and make a real impact. So yes, we need revival. And revival starts the moment there's brokenness. Revival can start with two or three people. And God can light that fire and fan that flame. And then the church can burn bright for what he's called her to be. Anyone desires to come after me, let them deny themselves. Take up their cross. Cross is death. There it is again. Total surrender is the picture. Jesus is just hammering home the reality. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about us. Because what I've learned about dead people is they have no response to anything. I mean, have you ever been at a funeral and poked somebody in the casket? What do they do? Nothing. And if you do that, you're sick and weird. So, ugh. I haven't done that myself. I just know. That's how we're to be. That's how we are to be as followers of Christ. Every moment, every day is about him, about him, about him. And then he says this, anyone desires to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross and do what? Follow me. Come after me. Uh, get going to, to do what I would do. Live like I would live. Think like I would think. Do that. Get over ourselves and go after him. So back to verse 19 of John 21. Then he said this to show about what kind of death was to glorify God. See, Jesus just told Peter by loving him and being devoted to serving him that it's going to end badly for Peter. That death on the cross. Horrific, gruesome, life-taking moment that's going to happen with Peter down the road. And then after saying these things, look at what he said to him. He said, follow me. And what do we know? Peter left everything again and followed Jesus. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what got stirred in your heart, but we're just going to spend a few moments here praying. And I want to give room for the Holy Spirit to do what He needs to do in this moment in the hearts of us. Man, man, to ask Him just to reveal sin, to reveal areas maybe where we're not fully surrendered, we haven't fully died, we, we haven't fully went in and followed and, and been committed like He would have called us and asked us and expected of us. And so I just want us just to pray over the next few minutes. And I'm going to close. I'm going to talk about one more thing. And then we're going to spend some time praying and, and just see where God leads us. Let's, let's pray.
Father, help us, I pray. In your name we pray. Amen. Now I just want to talk for a minute about the persecuted church and kind of what we've been made more aware of this week. And I'm just reminded of what Paul would say and my hope would be from what we've just talked about that we would get to this place, that this would be our desire. This is where we would get to. Philippians 1.21 says, For me to live as Christ and to die as what? Hmm. I mean, story after story, that's what you're hearing. Opportunity to flee and get out, but what do they do? They stay. Voluntarily stay, knowing that chances are it's going to cost them their life. I mean, how many of us, if we knew in three hours, if we didn't escape the upstate area, or in three hours, that, that if, we, if we don't flee and go, then, then death is imminent for us. How many stay in? Because of your faith. I mean, how, how many, I mean, I mean no, no, we're, we're packing up, getting everything we can, if we, whatever, we're gone, we're, we're on the road. I mean, but, but look at Paul's heart, look at the heart that we've seen this weekend. Church, I don't know what that does to you, but that stirs me. I, I mean, that encourages me, that fires me up, that gets me in trouble for the glory of God. And for Paul, to make, I, for Paul to make that statement, I don't know if you feel the weight of the world and feel the weight of our day. And, and, and I had Hannah read this morning on purpose, Revelation 21, just to remind us of what's coming and what we're going to inherit and what we get. We get the presence of God, un, unadulterated, real. For all eternity, that's what Paul longed for. Man, I'm sick and tired of the decisions that we have to make in this world and uh, standing on this or don't stand on that or the, uh, the weight of this or the weight of... I'm, like, I'm tired of the stress and the pressure. I want Jesus. I'm sick of sin, having to fight sin. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm just tired of this old flesh. I'm tired of the battle. I'm tired of that fight. So, so I, I, I can kind of grasp a little bit of what, what Paul's talking about here. To, to live as Christ, to die as he, I mean, he's longing for that resurrection uh, of, of eternity with Jesus. That's what he wants. I mean, man, man and just, just to think about that, to hear that, to see the church rise to that. Man, man it, it just, it's, it's, it's an encouraging, encouraging moment that had better light a fire under us. Because God's allowing us to see. And he's inviting us in to be a part of that. And I don't want us to waste it. I don't want us to miss it. I don't. And this isn't new in our world today. Again, I think it's just because things are on the forefront and we're just kind of, there's a lot of tension here in the U.S. I mean, but man, the church has been underground for years and years and years. I mean, I just think back recent to, to Korea and stuff there. Or China, the underground church in China right now. I mean, and how believers are, are coming in the groves there. I mean, this has been present. But I think because us poor Americans have had maybe a little bit more um, awareness because of this past week, it's kind of risen to the forefront. But, but I want to tell you something, church, where persecution takes hold, there's a great momentum for the church that's sure to follow. Let me read the book of Acts and what happens. I mean, after Stephen's death being stoned in the book of Acts, what takes place? The church busts out, does it not? And she flees, and she runs, and she shares of the only hope that there is ever to be had that is in Jesus Christ, and the church blows up. I mean, I know there were some amazing things that happened at Pentecost with the Holy Spirit, 
and with preaching and proclamation of the word, but man, when persecution came, the church took off. Took off and just blew up. I mean, all throughout the book of Acts, you see that. And that persecution that we face here may not be as great yet. I know it's not as great yet. Man, but, but, but it's coming. It's coming. And hear me, if, if we don't stand now, and set our hearts and ready ourselves for it, when it gets here, we will, we will bend and break every time and deny and reject. And we'll do what? We'll grow more apathetic, more complacent, more content. I mean, as we were singing these songs this morning in this place, and as I was thinking about the church universal, what we sing in hope and faith may very well become a reality today for someone. And so I just, I just want to read a scripture to you real quick. Read a couple stories, and then I just want us to spend some more time praying for the church persecuted. Daniel nine seventeen says this, Now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayers of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. Pray for Afghanistan. As it is, again, it's under the control of the Taliban and the fundamentalist group that ruled that nation for five years before the U.S. led forces that ousted them in 2001. Pray for the men and the women and the children and fellow Christians especially. I mean, did, did you see the pictures of people handing their babies over the fence to soldiers trying to get them out? Not knowing if they'll ever get to see them again because of what could happen? I mean, of, 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 of people since 2001 who uh, has never experienced this type of stuff before, and now to have the pressure put back on them, people being been, been taken and put into slavery, lives being altered like we can't even imagine. I mean, we get ticked because it's 11.05, I mean, I get out of here till 12.30. See, as the Taliban tightens their grip on Afghanistan, international, they warn of the attacks on the Christians that are likely to rise across the region. One church leader in Afghanistan said Christians were living in great fear. Some who worked for the government now face uh, immense persecution, and any identified as Christians could be killed. Christians risk betrayal even from their own family members. Think about that for a second. Bust into the house. Any believers here? I know there, are, there is. You better tell me now. I'll spare you if you tell me. And so then a mom rats out or a dad tells of. I mean, I mean we, we were talking this morning about, uh, about, a, about a family there in Afghanistan, believers, who, who the mom and the dad and the older siblings have, have sealed their fate. No, we're, we're believers. We're not backing down. We're not stepping out. And the mom was worried about her younger children who wouldn't be murdered, they would just be taken in as slaves, raised up to, to believe in this uh, radical faith. The daughters to be sold into slavery, to be married off to whoever. To, oh. See, the Afghan church has been driven underground by Islamic apostasy laws even before the Taliban takeover. But the situation is now reported to be dire. So pray for God's protection and faithfulness upon the fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. 
what, what about this? So we, we see that and we're aware of that now, but, but, but this, is a, this is a newsletter here uh, that, that came August 19th, 2021 uh, from the India Baptist Prayer Network. It says this, without any support from the military regime, hundreds of thousands of villages in uh, Myanmar are crying out for help while they are having to fight COVID alone. Please pray that help and support will be reached out to these villages there in Myanmar. See, what's happening is government's coming in and stealing the stuff that they've got there and they they can't distribute it, they can't give it out. I mean, India is another country that's closed like that with the gospel. Indian persecution, Christians in prison for praying with grieving families. I mean, think about that. Three Christians have been imprisoned in India's uh, Uttar after the Hindu extremists beat them up and accused them of unlawfully converting people to Christianity, the Morning Star reports. So, see, see, we're made more aware of the Afghan thing going on right now, and we should be, and we should be praying, but we don't, we don't just pray. We pray for the church universal. For the persecuted people of God who, who are not going to back down, who are going to stand. And to think because, uh, and it was funny, I was, I was standing there this morning talking to my brother-in-law who comes here and prays and prints out and does some things like that here before he goes to his church to preach. And we looked out the window, I'm like, is that rain? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, the tent is going to be low this morning. We'll let a little rain shower drive us away or keep us home. And these people are going to fight for their life and are willing to stand and we won't even get out of bed and come to church if it rains or if it's too hot or if it's too cold. So what I want us to do now is this, and I'm going to ask the band if they would come back up. I want us to just spend some time praying this morning for the persecuted church. I want us to pray for the church in Afghanistan. I want us to pray for the church in India. I want us to pray for the church in Korea. I want us to pray for the church in China. I want us to pray. Church, we need to pray like we've never prayed before. We need to ask God to to rule and reign in these moments and to give protection and to let his gospel continue, to let hearts be sealed and, and the gospel be made known and lives altered and changed for eternity. And we've got to get out of our American mindset and thinking That it's not just us here, and but we belong to and are a part of something far greater than 350 Old Furnace Road. And we are a part of the church of Jesus Christ. And who has called us and invited us in as sons and daughters and has given us a blessed hope whereby we have the privilege and honor of serving him in every circumstance. Every circumstance. So I want us to pray as, as Franklin just plays there for a second to just pray for the persecuted church. And I'm gonna come back up and I'm gonna challenge you one more time and then so let's pray.
God, I just ask that you would move in a mighty way, God, in this church here. God, that you would stir in us a greater desire and love and passion. And God, as we hear of the stories of our brothers and sisters being persecuted all over the world now, God, that we would step into those places and that we would pray and that we would plead and that we would beg. And God, that it would strengthen us and encourage us. Father, to thank, to think that it may have been difficult to get here this morning because we stayed up a little too late last night or Sunday's our only day to sleep in. Or we've got a birthday party to get to at six o'clock this evening. We can't come at 10 o'clock this morning. Or there's a ball game or there's a, And Father, men and women, just by waking up this morning, saying that they love you or having the Bible app on their phone could cost them their life. God, save us. Help us. Help us join in in the fight for your kingdom, for your name, for your glory. Father, stir deep within us brokenness that is unmatched by the reality of what's going on in this world. That's unmatched by anything else. God, help us in this place. Help our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, in Korea, China, India, Nepal, Mexico. God, God, everywhere where there's darkness that brings about persecution. Father, strengthen And God, I pray on the day where we're asked that we would rise to the occasion and say yes. With joyful hearts, we belong to the resurrected Jesus. And we unashamedly claim who you are. And Father, I pray it be so real and so heavy that people don't even have to ask. They will see and they will know by the way that we live, the way that we act, the way that we talk, the way that we do. In name we pray. Amen. So as the band leads us this morning, I just want to ask you, what's, what's the Holy Spirit stirred in your heart? What, what has He done in you? What, what has He said to you? And, and I hope you hear me this morning. My heart wasn't to be confrontational or my heart wasn't to be a jerk or my heart wasn't to be... Church, I just needed to make us aware of some things. In the, in, in the scope of the cross and compared to the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, how ridiculous we look. How crazy we sound. And, and hear me, I have preached this to myself all week. When I have searched my heart and I've thought of the religiosity in me, the pharisaical ways that, 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 that I live out in my dead religion. And how crazy is it that I would be like that? that we would be like that. So man, I, I, I pray and I hope that God stirs in your heart that if you're not His, that He would awaken in you the reality of your need for Him and He would save you and redeem you and rescue you this morning. And so I'll be down here if you want to talk more about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Or man, this altar is open. If you want to come again and just pray and pour out your heart for the persecuted church or maybe for sin or for whatever the case is. We have got to get our focus and our attention back to where it needs to be. And quit being so easily uh, distracted by all the, the smoke and the glitter and the lights and the mirrors. 
there is too much at stake for us to play games. Too much at stake. There is a world that is headed headfirst toward hell, an eternity separated from God. And as I said last week, God has called us to the occasion to be ambassadors for Him, to stand in the gap, to plead with, to share, to be ministers of reconciliation. Far too much is at stake. Will you join Him? Father, speak in this place this morning. In the name we pray. Amen.